If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Carrie Genzel here, a.k.a. Mrs. Check. I hear that you, Dustin, Nico, and Mike are very big fans of Jennifer's body. So, my advice is don't go out there. Watch out for those cannibalistic cheerleaders. In a world where zombies, ghosts, Serial killers and vampires all exist. It's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin. And they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. I really appreciate all the support. Uh, you guys are awesome. Before we get into tonight's film review, I just want to give a quick shout out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. We've got everything podcast related on there. You know, got all our episodes, our interviews. Uh, you know, we got some of those coming up in the future. Looking forward to that. Uh, our blog, uh, we've we've got some new articles up. If you want to check those out. Uh, our store, we got some new merch up as well. So make sure you check that out. Uh, new shirts are awesome. I still haven't ordered one because I don't have Mike's money, but I'm going to order one soon. That Christmas hit different, son. I'm broke. <laughs> I'd say so and, when you uh, take your fiance to the Cayman Islands for Christmas. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we saw the Snapchat. We went to Asheville. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, and Disney also, World, all right? Back and, off, son. And yeah. Disney World. And Disney. Got the park hopper, too, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we also have all our social media links on there. Uh, make sure you follow us, subscribe to us on all those. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. You know, we try and provide content for, on every platform we have, you know, to stay interactive with all of our fans. Uh, we really enjoy interacting with you guys. Uh, we got a lot of comments and questions for tonight, so make sure you stay tuned in with what we're doing. Uh, to kick this year off, we kind of have, we we're going back to some theme months and, or theme, whatever you want to call it, because we kind of override months sometimes, so it makes it weird to call it a month when, Three episodes are in January and one's February, but whatever. No need to be technical. This month, we, we decided we're going to do uh, what we call Female Lead Month. Uh, so every movie we pick this month is going to have, you know, a strong female lead in it. And uh, tonight is Brother Brian's pick. Uh, you want to go ahead and announce your pick, brother? Yeah, sure. I went with uh, 2009's Jennifer's Body. And uh, so I'm actually glad I get to start off female-led horror movies month and, and kind of peek behind the curtain. I was torn between three movies one of them was the uh, Lost Boys of the Tribe, and Dustin's doing the other one. 
I want to pick, so I won't spoil it. But uh, regardless, I'm glad I went with the very underrated, in my opinion, very unique Jennifer's body. Um, and I did for a number of reasons. I mean, it's not only got female leads in, in uh, Amanda Seyfried and That's Megan Fox, who I think, yeah, Seyfried. <laughs> Not Siegfried and Roy. Like yeah, I got to scratch all my Siegfried and Roy references now. Damn it. <laughs> I, was calling her Amanda but, uh, I was calling her Amanda Seafood, so, you know, what do I know? Uh, wow. Well, we'll never get them on the show now. Anyway, Megan Fox, who I think is really good in this, which I do think is a, a, a hot take, I think, right off the bat. Um, I personally don't know why she gets the hate she does, but anyway. Fe- it's also female-written. In uh, Diablo Cody, who who actually wrote this in 06, the same time that she was writing Juno. And another hot take, I think the dialogue is actually like 70% good in this. Yeah, so once you I. get Once you get past the opening set of scenes. And uh, I know some of my co-hosts will definitely disagree with that one. It's okay. That's okay. Um, but it's also female directed with Karen Kuzma, who, uh, who also did Eon Flux, which guilty pleasure of mine too. But... Uh, I think this movie has gotten a bad rap. I mean, some people are coming around on it. Uh, I've, I've seen the interwebs. It's getting a little bit of a cult following, but I always liked it. Uh, part of the reason why this movie kind of got a bad rap, though, was, and I'm a guy, I'll say it, sexist-ass, shitty fucking marketing from 20th Century Fox. You know, they tried to market it solely on, on uh, Fox's sex appeal, even going as far as telling Kuzma that one of the marketing ideas was to have market, Megan Fox do live chats on Pornhub. Um, it was pretty fucking terrible. Um, Seifert and, uh, and Fox have both gone on record as saying that this is their favorite movie that they've ever done. And uh, I liken it, my own head, to Species or The Faculty. A lot of people say Ginger Snaps. I've never personally seen that movie, although I've been actively looking for a werewolf film, so I'll check it out first. But both, both are fun, well-written in my opinion, and perfect start to this theme tomorrow. All right, I'll go next. Uh Brian personally texted me the other night after I tweeted or tweeted after I texted in our group chat that I was checking it out. He texted me the next day. He's like, you didn't like it, did you? I was like, <laughs> no, I didn't actually. I can always but, tell because he won't say a thing about it if he hates it. But uh, but uh, take that and rewind <laughs> it back. I rewatched this movie three times since then. Nice. And Thanks. I have liked this movie more and more every time I watched it. Uh, it took kind of like how Brian said the marketing wasn't good on it. I actually don't remember this movie being marketed that much because this was the year I graduated, so I was kind of more worried about, you know, getting the hell out of high school instead of watching movies mostly. But I think, like Brian said, it was just marketed so terribly. And I've I've watched, like, Chris Stuckman's, like, review from last year of this movie. It's like, this movie's actually really well, really ahead of its time with uh, the message it's trying to send. And if you listen to uh, Diablo Cody and Megan Fox's interview on, I think it's E.T. or something yes. like that. Uh, I've got that go, written down. Go find that interview. Because yeah, go definitely go watch that interview. They go really in depth with a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of things they personally went through. Very powerful uh, interview, honestly. But besides all that, just for the, for the movie, I agree with you, Brian. I think Amanda and Megan do a good job acting. Honestly, I think Megan. I think she nailed that high school role personally. Yeah. Uh, some things I don't care for about. I'll probably say 65, 35, maybe the dialogue's good. Some of it's bad. Uh, but yeah, I actually enjoy the movie. I think it's a little little long. I'll say that, a little long for the unrated. But overall, I, I like the movie. So I'm, I'm back, on the, back on the team, Brian. I enjoyed it. Let's go. Let's go. I'm starting to take it personally. <laughs> 
we shit on his birthday pick. Now, now he's I'll never forget that. I'm sorry, brother. Go ahead, Mike. Oh uh, yeah. So I'm going to be a little bit more in lockstep with you two. I, I think we only have one Jon Snow in this group. He's, he's got his sword ready to go. Um, so yeah, I think this movie is underrated. I think, uh, again, something Brian mentioned is it getting a cult following and, you know, Megan Fox saying in that interview that you referenced Nico, that she doesn't think it's a cult classic anymore. She just think it's loved by enough people to just be a pretty damn good horror film. And I tend to agree with her on that. Um, look, it great pick for this month, female director, female writer, two lead females, the stars of the show. And I think Amanda, uh, I'm just going to say Amanda and Megan Fox do a great job. Now I, before the show, I pretty much pooped on Megan Fox, the actor. And I will kind of stand by that because I think in the Transformers movie she's in, she's terrible. Uh, no offense, Megan. I know you won't come on the show. It's okay. Uh, it's too wrapped up in machine gun Kelly or whatever's going on. But, um, I will say in this movie, she delivers on the role she's given in my opinion. Um, so this is probably her best role because some of the other movies I've seen her in, I just don't think are very good. Um, put some respect on April O'Neil. <sighs> Fair enough. But I still think this is her best role. It's a, it's the bet. It's my favorite movie that I've seen her in. That's what I'll say. So I'll be a little biased there. Um, I think the storytelling is really unique. It takes a lot of horror tropes against women and kind of flips them on their head. It gives them the power, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, a lot of stuff, you know, and I kind of took it this way upon the first few times I saw it. And, you know, I rewatched it twice. Uh, and I, I like it more, a little bit more like Nico. I like it more each time. You know, a video, and I believe the name of the channel is called The Take. It's two women, and they kind of deep dive review videos, and they do a great job over there on that channel. But uh, something they said kind of stuck with me is that this movie, and you guys mentioned the marketing. To me, if they marketed this movie to the female audience with female leads and a female director and a female writer, it does a lot better at the box office. I think people only bombed on it because... Only men went and saw it because they used Megan Fox being an attractive woman to sell the film when really the movie doesn't. Yeah, she plays someone that's kind of comfortable in her skin, sexuality wise and all this stuff. But we find out I won't spoil it. But anyway, I think it's a really unique film for its time. 2009 was a pretty I'll be honest, late. 2000s mid you know that era is not very good for horror movies in my opinion outside of uh you know friday the 13th remake and stuff it it, i just don't think it's a very good time for horror and this one kind of shines through so i'll I'll give them a lot of credit i'm excited to talk about it because i do think it's a and i like when movies do this it takes really standard tropes and flips them back the other way and i think that's done really well here and by the way is it adrian brody sorry i i'm bad at taking names before the show He's fucking hilarious in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh boy, <laughs> I don't like this movie. That's okay, buddy. That's my whole review. Back to you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> y- you know, months ago, and I mean months ago, we kind of discussed uh, some movies that we'd like to review in the future at some point, and we just kicking around movies that were on our list and like. 
didn't necessarily belong in a uh, theme that we had at the time in mind. It's just, uh, you know, we mentioned this and when a stranger calls and, you know, there's, we've, we've got lists compiled of movies we plan to get to. And this was on my list. And then when we decided, you know, <clears throat> strong female lead was going to be a theme. Um, and Brian, you, you decided you were going to pick it. I was like, okay, perfect. I can take that off my list. I hadn't, I've, I had only seen this movie one time prior to this rewatch. And that was when it was, uh, new. Um, I think it had just come out on DVD or something when I watched it. And, um, honestly, when I pushed play on it this time, I didn't remember shit. Like there are certain scenes that I remembered. Like I remember the, uh, I remember the abandoned house. Um, there was some other scenes that I like, Oh yeah. Okay. But, uh, I didn't like it. I liked it so much more, uh, you know, the, the memory that I had on it. And I just, I don't think it aged really well. And the, the issues that I had were, I thought a lot of the dialogue was bad, actually. I mean, there's some shit, like it's written, this movie came out in 2009, but a lot of this high school dialogue is from like 2003 or 2002. Like you had a, they said something and I was looked it up and I was like, what the hell even does that mean? And it oh, said urban dictionary 2004. And I was like, Oh, yeah, that's not perfect dialogue. I'll agree. You're talking you. about when she yeah. said shutties when I think she was telling uh, to shut up. What the fuck? Was no, that? no, I don't remember what it was. When she, well, asked, it wasn't uh, <laughs> when she asked needy if she uh, had a tampon, she said, Oh, you're not plugging. What the well, fuck? Salty, salty for being attractive is like late nineties, early aughts. That's that's not late two thousand nine stuff. There's just some of the dialogue in this. Uh, he thinks he actually has a shot with me. That's why he's in retard math. That aged poorly. Um, there's someone being called a freak tard in this movie. That aged poorly. Um, which uh, you know at the time two thousand nine, was not that was not a nice thing to say to someone. But I think it was much more acceptable. Uh, or accepted vernacular than it is now. Not making excuses for it or saying it's right, but it is what it is. Um, but just some of the dialogue in this movie is like, oh my god! Like it would get a, a really good laugh out of me with some of the stuff, and it's like the very next line, I was like, God, took it too far. Like <laughs> y'all don't know, ruined it. Um, as far as the storyline, I mean, it, it's okay. Um, I don't dislike the storyline, or uh, you know, I think it, it's got a it's got a neat idea. Um, I like all that. I don't like, I don't really like how it was, uh, how the story was told, the the order of it. I don't like when we get needy in the um, uh, insane asylum right off the bat, which we'll get to. I, I wish that, I don't know. We I wish it would have started just like the next set scenes where we see her in high school and we just get to see that progression because it kind of gives away that, uh, you know, kind of gives away the ending a little bit. I agree bit. with that. But yeah, it just, it's not. Dying, so yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It took some of that suspense out, and then once you kind of saw, uh, you know, the things falling into place, when everybody's questioning her, saying, "I think you need to talk to a psychiatrist and stuff," like the, you know, it's going to end that way because you, we saw it in the opening scene. So I think they kind of blew their own finish there. Um, the movie felt like it lasted for freaking ever when you watch the unrated version. Um, so that was. That was a, a complaint I had. Overall, it's just the acting was okay at best. It was cool to see a young Chris Pratt. I remember uh, I was watching this movie with my girlfriend. I said, holy shit, that guy looks like Chris Pratt. And I looked it up. And I was like, holy shit, that is Chris Pratt. So <laughs> that was cool. Um, 
the casting is good. It's just I don't think that Megan Fox is a very strong actress. Um, <clears throat> uh, she could be the leading lady in my life, though. Um, hope my girlfriend doesn't listen to this. We're good. Um, but overall, it's just it's it's not a movie that I enjoyed watching on this rewatch, and I probably it's a pretty safe bet that I, I won't watch it. Let's see. It's been out what twelve years now. It'd probably be another twelve years or more before I watch it again. Uh, really quick, two things. One, Megan Fox, call me some time. Uh, Amanda Seyfried can also call me some time. And number three, Dustin, how do you know what the Park Hopper is? It's the Park Hopper, culture, man. Because mm-hmm. well, you, you told like me about it. Sounds like someone that's purchased it before. Anyway, let's continue. Megan Fox is the best part of Transformers. Go ahead. Yeah, I've never seen any Transformers movies. That's not surprising. To follow up, what the hell did you just say? To follow up on Mike's statement about Megan Fox movies earlier, I did thoroughly enjoy the first Transformers movie. I thought it was great. Now they go downhill from there, but the first one I really liked, and that Ninja Turtles reboot was fantastic. Also, agreed. He got mad at me for not seeing Transformers, and ever he's he hates all superhero stuff like that. I didn't get mad at you for not seeing Transformers. Mine was my facial expression was to Brian saying Megan Fox is the best part. She's ah. I was having this scene by scene for Brian has to cut out more stuff. Uh, the film starts with Needy staring out her cell window with letters and toys on the floor. She narrates now about how she's the shit. She describes the letter she gets, and we see a picture of her former boyfriend. She puts slippers on now and heads to to the wreck. We see other patients playing games, and now we're in the cafeteria. Her chart says she's a kicker. A nurse asks about her lunch choice, then Needy kicks the shit out of her, launching her, and two wardens carry and throw her into solitary. I wasn't always this crack, she says. She hears music play now, and she covers her ears. Now we go back two months to Devil's Kettle. Named after a unique waterfall, we see a POV shot walking towards a house, and we see another girl chewing on her hair watching the Gazelle Workout infomercial, and I've definitely watched it before. Title card. Now we go back two months ago with Jennifer as a flag girl and Needy cheering her on from the bleachers. They were like sisters, even though they were totally opposite. Now we see Jennifer walk up to Needy's locker and ask her plans. She's supposed to hang out with her boyfriend, Chip, but she wants to go see an indie band play. She tells Needy she'll pick her up at 8.30. She thinks the lead guy is salty. Now we see Needy trying different clothes on to be cute. Chip tells her her pants are really low. He now says he's never heard of this band. She gives him a kiss and says Jennifer is here. They go downstairs, and he gives her grief about them not having anything in common. Jennifer says she's got the whip until 11.30 and then, and then mocks their sexual smells. She pushes Needy hard into the wall, and Chip tells him that bar is disgusting. The girls head out to Melody Lane now. It's definitely not a club. A football player swings and misses, hitting on Jennifer. Roman comes up to her now, hitting on her. He's almost out of police academy. We now see the band setting up on stage. Jennifer wishes they had more city boys in Devil's Kettle. Jennifer approaches the Nikolai, the lead singer. They shake hands, and she's very into him. Needy asks why they'd want to play all the way in Devil's Kettle. Gotta show the fans love in shitty areas, too, he says. <laughs> Jennifer asks to buy him a drink. Needy plays pinball as Jennifer goes to get those drinks. She overhears them talking about Jennifer, how he knows that type of girl. Flirty, but won't give it up. The bassist sla- uh, snaps on Nikolai. Needy calls him out now and says he's a creep. Jennifer gets back with the shots, and Needy tells her what she heard. She sets the drinks down and doesn't drink them because she has money like Mike Settle. 
The band plays their hit song now, and Jennifer is infatuated. Is a, you got more money than me from selling sneakers alone. Kiss my Somebody. ass. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I had to say it. Needy. <laughs> All right. This annoyed the shit out of me. Needy sees a fire starting on stage and just watches it spread and doesn't say yes, anything. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, it's so stupid. She walks through the crowd, and chaos ensues when a fire like this cloth on the ceiling falls on a customer's table. People getting stampeded. People are set ablaze. Jennifer is pulled by Needy to an escape. They sneak out the bathroom window, and Nikolai approaches them as the building explodes. He asks if they want to leave to somewhere safe, super casually. That place is his band's van. Jennifer drinks some alcohol, and she goes with the band. Needy tries to get her to go get food, but it doesn't work. Doors close, and she says uh, how Nikolai reminded her of a petrified tree, and they drive away. All right, go ahead, Brian. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said in my intro, uh, Seifert is is amazing in uh, in this to me, and definitely has the more complex written character. I mean, and, and yes, Foxes is is more one dimensional, but that's okay. I mean, that one dimension I personally like a lot and think she kills it. But uh, I'm glad they did what they did um, at the end to kind of pay off some of this opening because when Needy kicks the shit out of that orderly, I was like, I really hope something's going on or some shit because that was ridiculous. If not. Also, shout out to the line, people say I need to accept Jesus Christ into my heart. I say the words, but nothing happens. Nobody comes back. Nobody gets off the cross. I think that has uh, Diablo Cody written all over it. Um, also, Emma Stone was apparently considered for the role of Needy as well. And I love Emma Stone. She's one of like my top three probably favorite actresses, actually. And I think I would have been, I think that would have been great here, too. So usually I'd say, hey, I'm glad they didn't go that route. But in this case, I think that's a win-win. Um, a little fun fact here right off the bat, too. There's a there's a real Devil's Kettle uh, Falls like described here in Minnesota. Um, shout out friend of the show and Minis- it is a Minnesotian, maybe. How about it was just a Minnesotan. Minnesota. How about just Viking Joe Larson? But uh, anyway, go shot here. Gopher. <laughs> uh, Minnesota State Screaming Eagles. Oh, mm. you don't know. You don't know anything about that coach reference right there. But OK, oh, um, but this shot here actually is Cascade Falls in Canada. So um now, this set of scenes is the parts where I was really talking about earlier with the whole 70% of the dialogue being fine. But this right here, like the monostat, the Vagisil greeting, like over the top for high school girls, eh, probably like middle school girls, that probably ages better. But personally for me, it's that plus throwing that whole salty thing in there, which like we discussed earlier, I don't even know if salty was a thing then, but regardless, it's not even what it means now. So I think it was just trying too hard to be clueless or something, you know, like, I don't know. I think Diablo Cody was trying to, trying to make her own vernacular there. Um, John Simmons chip. I really like, uh, he, he and Seyfried had uh, great chemistry together, I think. But again, the dialogue was too try hard here and made way less sense. In my opinion, um, you can almost justify two girls, I think talking like that, but having Chip say, well, you must be my soy sauce or I can see your front, butt." I don't know. Again, that just comes across as too much. And honestly, I don't know if I'm cast. I know you said you liked him, but I don't know if I'm casting Adam Brody as the lead singer of that band. I mean, like an outspoken band member. Okay. But the lead singer, I don't really buy him as that. I'm a fan of Brody, you know, although I didn't really care for him in the OC, but that was writing. And I don't, what we did some movie with scream Four, meh. 
anyway, I'm just not a fan of Brody in, in semi-serious roles. And I think that this one should have been like an Angus Sutherland type, you know, the Lost Boys tribe type of character. But hey, Dustin brought up Chris Pratt, severely underused in this, is an understatement. And, uh, and uh, last things I have in this group of scenes, like Diablo Cody is actually the bartender after Jennifer says she will score some alcohol by playing Hello Titty, which I liked that. I liked that uh, reference. That was funny. With the bartender. And uh, actually, this is probably, without a doubt, my least favorite group of t- scenes in the whole entire movie. Like, a movie I really like, by the way. Very rare for me. So, you know, there's a lot of fair criticisms, I think, with the set of scenes, absolutely. And lastly, fun fact, my girlfriend in junior high school, or my, my junior year of high school, drove a brand new Chrysler Sebring as well. And those things were pieces of shit. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> hey, Michael Scott had a Chrysler Sebring. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. To me, I agree with, with Dustin and his... his his opening thoughts on the fact that I, I I don't like that they kind of give away the end here at the beginning. Um, I like that in some films. I think in this one though, because they do a really good job of make of of making you know Amanda's uh, Siegfried's character kind of likable and innocent and whatever. And I feel like if they saved her being in prison for the end. I think it would have hit a little bit better. It would have hit a little bit different. So, again, I almost forgot that that's how this film starts because it's not one of the scenes I took away as memorable except when she beats the shit out of that woman in the yard, which I think is funny. Um, but I, you spoke a lot about the, the dialogue, Brian, and I don't. I have other problems with the dialogue later in the film, but to me, some of the the slang and the vernacular that we all kind of touched on. It's less bothersome to me because it reminds me of Halloween 78 and the point that that movie has words like totally and way cool and stuff like that. And that was all new and hip in 1978. And so some of this stuff when the movie was written anyway, was popular slang that people used, I guess. I mean, I'm not a female, so I don't know if people call said, what's up, Vagisil or whatever. Like I, I have no idea, but it seemed like I'm going to give it a pass because it's of its time. Like a lot of other horror movies that we cover. Um, I don't think it's good. I just don't, it doesn't take me out of the movie per se. Uh, not that, not that kind. There's some dialogue later between, um, boyfriend and girlfriend and stuff that I think is cringe, but I think this stuff is okay. Uh, man, I love how (laughs) she's like, how are you going to get alcohol? Man, I was buying alcohol at the gas station at 16 years old. I had a beard. I had gray hair. They were selling that shit to me, man. If And by the way, they were definitely going to sell it to her. Because again, attractive female. I don't think there's any denying that. Pretty easy to go walk up to the bar. If if you're convincing enough, hey, whatever. Um, I agree with you right guys. Right in front on of the, a cop? She, hey, I... She mentions later she's got the cops whipped because she's screwing the deputy or whatever. Remember, or the yeah, it was whatever his name or yeah. yeah, yeah, there, you, yeah, there you go. See, okay, so, um, I agree with you, Brian. Actually, it was Nico that said it in the set of scenes. Man, you're just gonna stand there while this building burns to the ground. Like, I, it's so stupid. It's a stupid character decision that makes me so angry. 
uh, when she could have literally said, hey, that's on fire back there. And someone could have put it out before the building started to burn all the way. Like anything could have. I mean, you could have thrown a blanket over it, something like, I don't know. You didn't have to let it watch it go up the ceiling over across a wire into someone's lap. That's so stupid. Uh, bad, bad character decision. I'm speaking of bad character decisions. I know she's a free spirit and everything, but man, I would, as soon as I saw that van, it's one of those things that like, if the van looks like that, I'm not going in the van. Nothing good can come of that van. Any band van is never a good thing. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, so again, dumb character decisions. But as far as establishing one big problem I have with the film, and I'm okay. Like, again, I like the movie, but this is my last thing. They, these two don't seem like friends. Uh, and I have a little bit of an issue with that as the movie goes on. Cause they, yeah, they've been friends forever. They go back to show them as little kids. But to me, these two have chemistry together but their two characters don't seem like friends. Like those two, no way hung out in high school, especially back then when not everyone was a little more accepting. Like to me, they just don't come across on my screen anyway as two legitimate friends. And so the kind of sell for what comes later were, you know, I mean, I just think one's a bad friend and one's kind of blinded to it. And that stuff doesn't really click. For me, I guess. So, I don't know. That, that's why I took away. Like Brian said, though, to me, this is the worst set of scenes in the film. Um, because from here, I think it gets pretty good. It, ra- it ratchets up a little bit and we get some actual horror. But I think this set of scenes is a little bit of a slow setup. Well, I was well, going to say, they, kind of, they played on that, um, Mike, when he said, or you, when you talk about they just, it's not believable with their friends. Like, they even mentioned when she said, we have a lot in common. And uh, her boyfriend's like, no, you yeah. don't. So No, you don't. Right. Well, and what I was going to say was, Mike, what you touched on with, and, and Nico too, with like, I mean, you know, have, have maybe the band have set that fire on purpose and then, you know, then I could buy maybe it's spreading so damn quickly. Yeah, and that's true. Something else I didn't really buy into was like, Jennifer was almost like so transfixed on Brody. I mean, if it was like a, a demon or a vampire or whatever himself, I could buy that, that maybe he was like, you know, I don't know hypnotizing her type of thing you know how they do some sometimes in some of those movies but i just i didn't understand why she was just so like so transfixed it was almost like she was just almost in a zombie state it was just i don't know i i didn't i I didn't care for that either all right so uh set of scenes like i already mentioned i don't like that we get to open that she's already like in the loony bin or you know she's got this uh problem uh or that she you know she's been arrested or whatever um, because it, it spoils the ending. It spoils kind of a lot of what's going. The dialogue and the acting, like some of them parts, is just it's tough to watch. I think that like when she shows up and she, uh, Jennifer goes, it smells like Thai food in here. Have you guys been fucking? Like that actually. See certain parts of the dialogue, I can I can forgive because that is like a very teenage girl thing to say. Um. <clears throat> I, I did get a kick every time the band fucks up the city name. Um, er, every single time he uh, he's on stage and he calls it like Devil's Waterfall or something the first time, and someone in the crowd goes it's Devil's Kettle and he goes fucking a right it is. <laughs> that shit cracked me up every single time. Um, but then I put you know what kind of bar is this? She you know I disagree. I don't think that it should be that easy for her to just get shots in this bar. 
as a high school student. Um, first of all, what kind of bar lets high school students in? I mean, I don't know. Maybe uh, I came from a small town, but I guess not this small. Um, and yeah, you mentioned how Needy just kind of watched the fire unfold. That girl's the embodiment of the roof on fire, let the motherfucker burn, because that's exactly what she did. She didn't give a shit. There was no urgency in any of them. They're just like, oh, damn it, it's fire. Um, and then, you know, I had a problem with the fact that they were just, they were, it was so easy for them to get this teenage girl in their van while her friend is sitting outside clearly distraught. Uh, and all these other people that, you know, made it out of the fire are just, oblivious and like let it happen no no one gave a shit no one paid attention and i get like abductions happen every day i'm not downplaying that and uh downplaying how uh, easy it is for people for bad people to kidnap but there was just not enough struggle from needy there wasn't enough awareness from anyone else in the uh in the area and just just i you know that that sucked um you mentioned you mentioned emma stone uh, another person that auditioned for Needy, Brie Larson. That's another one that I couldn't really see. You know, I think the casting, they, they nailed it. Um, and then as far as Jennifer goes, Blake Lively actually turned down the role of Jennifer due to scheduling conflicts with Gossip Girl. So Megan Fox was later cast. Like, imagine that if it's Blake Lively and Brie Larson. Not, it, it, I, I think they, they nailed it with who they went with here. Um, and it's easy to say that in hindsight just because it worked well for what they did here. Um, overall, I don't like this set of scenes either. Um, if I, you know, if I were to just say yay or nay, I'd probably give it a thumbs down just because of how irritated I am that they spoiled the ending uh, with how it's going to turn out for Needy. By the way, also soundtrack, very late nineties, early two thousands, very American pie-ish, faculty-ish, and you know I like that shit. So I thought it was great. All right, Needy gets home and calls Chip. He springs up when she tells him the bar was burned down. She tells him how Jennifer is missing and about all the dead people snapping bones in their burning flesh. He asks if she got the model of the van. The doorbell rings. She goes downstairs to check the door as Chip stays on the phone with her. She opens the door to no one being there. We see inside her house someone's shadow move around. She hangs up with Chip and checks the house out. She hears the faucet dripping and shuts it off. When she turns around, there's a bloody Jennifer right behind her. What happened, she asks. Jennifer smiles, revealing her bloody teeth. She goes to the fridge and begins tearing apart a rotisserie chicken. She now throws up this black tar-looking vomit all over the floor. Needy goes to comfort her, but Jennifer just giggles. Needy goes to call for help, but Jennifer slams her into the wall. Are you scared, she asks. She almost bites her neck, then tosses her into the wall and leaves the house. Firemen and rescue are at the scene of the fire now. We're in class now, and Needy looks stoic as she flashes back to her and Jennifer, younger in the sandbox. Jennifer walks up acting like nothing happened at the bar or her house. Sucks to be them, I guess, Jennifer says as she insults Needy's looks. Needy shows her her dirty fingernails and the teacher walks in. He tells the class how dark of a day this is for them all. We lost eight students, inclu including a met from India and senior Rita Erickson, the Spanish teacher. We can't let the fire win, he says as Jennifer mocks them. We see Jonas crying now in the front of the classroom. Needy walks the halls and sees all the crying students. Chip tells her no band practice today. Everything is stopped. Needy tells Chip about the encounter with Jennifer last night. He says she may need to speak to the counselor. Colin talks to them, telling her he's glad she didn't die. Needy asks Chip to walk her home. 
Now we see Jonas on the football field looking somber as some heavy metal plays. Jennifer walks up to him and she apologizes about his loss. Craig was his best friend. She tells him Craig thought they'd be a banging couple. She puts his hand on her chest and they both say they have broken hearts. She takes him into the woods now. They start to kiss and he comments how warm she is and we see animals start to surround them and watch. She unzips her shirt and removes his shirt and reaches down his pants. Do you miss Craig? You're going to see him very soon, she says. She pushes him into a tree and bites him with her demonic looking teeth. The teacher hears his screaming and walks towards the woods. Needy is making some food and listens to the radio and how they fib on low shoulder being heroes after the fire. The teacher finds Jonas's mangled corpse in the woods being licked by a deer. All right, go ahead, Brian. So fun fact about me, and I don't think I told this story during the Lost Boys or 30 Days of Night. If I did, forgive me. Mike says I'm getting old all the time. Ageism, folks, it's real. It happens here on the show daily. But anyway, uh, my buddy and I have talked about on here plenty of times, uh, Creel, growing up, that we always said that if one of us turns into a vampire, motherfucker, I better be your first stop. Like, you better come over. Don't even break in. Just knock. I'll let you in. I'm not trying to have to fix my fucking door. It's unnecessary. I want to be a vampire, so just turn my ass because it would be awesome. Um, now, I know this is a demon, but that story came to my mind because at first I thought that this was a vampire. So there you go. Um, but it's actually a, a succubus, apparently, from Jewish mythology. It said that succubi seduce men and fuck them until they are drained. So there you have it. Stefan Zalpart was date one for a while. They did the succubus, succubus story as well. It's a, god, it's a goddamn succubus. Ah. <laughs> I'm watching that episode tonight now. Okay, go ahead. Oh, geez. Um, anyway, a little nitpick. This call early on from Needy to Chip, like her describing what happened at that bar doesn't at all even fit what we saw. I mean, if we had seen that, what she described, chaos, bones breaking, people getting trampled, then I maybe would have liked that scene a little bit more. But that's not what we saw at all. Um, kind of makes me wonder if that was reshot or rewritten after the fact, because I know Cody did go back to add some and explore the whole sexual tension between Needy and Jennifer. And I don't know for a fact that that was changed, but it definitely doesn't line up here at all. But I do love how it gets a lot darker here. The effects on Jennifer, I think, look great. Um, they used Hershey syrups and some CGI for the black demon puke. I liked the look of that. I uh, also like the shots here, too, with the shadow play as, as Needy answers the door and not having that whole normal jump scare trope where like needy closes that basement door as you would expect there. And that creepy ass smile that Jennifer has when they, when they first show her, I thought that was like very well done. I may actually use that as a shot for the, uh, as the artwork for this, but uh, I'm going to need more uh, freaking out from needy there and less Boston market dialogue, by the way. Um, she does eventually, but it just, it took too long for my liking. And it, they do a such good job of, uh, of making their encounter scary, but also very sexy. The tension, like the, both the sexual, the whole unknown, it was, it was all very well done. And, uh, <clears throat> Cypher did, did a great job crying while, uh, she was cleaning up that black vomit and, uh, that whole flashback. I wouldn't say cleaning up there. She was more like moving it around with the sponge on the floor. And, uh, but the rest of this set of scenes just kind of say, or yeah, it just kind of seems like filler it has great, like a great zooming in shot across that whole football field up on Jonas with that badass rock song playing. It seems weird. He's standing there all by himself, but I, I kind of thought like in my head canon that maybe Jennifer told him to, to meet her there. I don't know. I wish there was maybe a line of dialogue or something there, but uh, 
But but this Jonas kill, I think, is good. One of the very few actual differences in the unrated version. It uh, gives us a little more hand job motion, too. A little more uh, gore with his body as well. But this is where the movie starts to, to pick up for me the rest of the way. Like I have, I have one more thing, but I think Dustin's going to hit on it, so I'm going to pass it on to Mike now. Yeah, so I really like this the opening part of this set of scenes. I think, you know, the look of a Megan Fox here is really cool. Uh, the bud coming down and, and the black goo that we get her <laughs> as a mystic man, will call it black ooze. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Dustin will get that eventually, but uh, yeah. So I, I like the look of it because it's something again, the first time you watch the film, you're like, well, what the fuck is this? Cause you're like Brian kind of thinking this is going to be a vampire movie. Like it's, it's, it has that it's setting up for that trope. Very stereotypical. That's the, the direction it's heading. And then, and then you get this black goo and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And you're not really sure, but you're intrigued by it. Uh, uh, this is to me where I think needy and Jennifer's on-screen chemistry starts to form a little bit, not necessarily as friends, but just as two characters, uh, I think it's really good here. Um, so something that I didn't touch on in the last set of scenes that sets up a lot of the other film is obviously the uh, sexual tension between the two, the emotional tension between the two, especially on Needy's side. And I think Jennifer, you know, when she begins to have this demon, manipulates that uh, because she knows. Um, and I, you know, they don't really say it, but they don't need to say it. Uh, it's there with the hand-holding scene. Uh, it's a little bit there, you know, when she's crying about her and stuff like that. Like, I think that they, it's just so subtle. And then, you know, Brian mentioned this scene here. It's just, it's there. You could cut the tension with it off. I think it's really good. Um, what I don't like, and they, golly, for once, I just wish a horror movie would stop this trope. And I've been using the word tropes a lot tonight because this movie normally subverts them in a good way. This boyfriend not believing his girlfriend again. Can we fucking please get someone that believes somebody when they tell them something? Like, yeah, it seems goofy, but you could at least try to act interested in what she's saying. And this man, Chip, don't even try, man. I, I mean, he seems like a good dude. You got to at least try to. He's not as bad as Paranormal Activity or anything where that guy's just an asshole. But come on, man. No, I agree. I said that when we were watching it. I was watching with my girlfriend. I was like, you know, I get annoyed when movies do that because yeah. in a situation where something is clearly happening, someone is eating people, why would yeah. you not at least hear her out? Well, you, why would you not hear her out if somebody vomits black goo on her ground? Like, and she, show, she has dirt or black goo in her fingernails. Like, is that not at least enough to pique my interest? Now, if someone told me the story in the later scenes that she gives about her being a succubus, and if someone just brought that to me with no evidence, I might be a little skeptical, but I would at least pretend to act like she wasn't one, you know, flew over the cuckoo's nest or anything. I just hate the trope. I think it's tired. I'm sick of it. All Everything after that, kind of like Brian mentioned, feels like a little bit of time filler. Uh, and I think the Jonas Kill unrated is good. Uh, it's, it's graphic enough. Uh, a lot of the or, you know, we get the kill later that's behind a curtain for the most part. And it looks really cool, but we don't see a ton until the after effect. So I think 
The Jonas kill is cool. I think the shot, the zoom in is really good. I was not – the first time I ever saw it, I was not expecting Scream Metal to be in a film, but then I remembered it was 2009. So, yeah, that fucking kind of music was everywhere. <laughs> you couldn't – or at least in my high school was, you couldn't exit a parking lot without hearing that shit. Um, but, I, again, this is where the movie does start to turn up some. I think it – you know, once we – Again, we don't know she's a succubus, but once the eating of the boy starts to happen, I love that they've flipped it to where they give her using her sexuality as a power. It's not its not something she's vulnerable with. Guys don't take advantage of her. She's taking advantage of their weakness to just be horny some bitches, And that's what guys are for the most part, especially in high school, is horny some bitches, And she exploits that as a revenge for all being sacrificed. Like it, I really like that they flip it. I think it's really unique and that's, I'm glad we kind of start to see the evolution. One more f- small thing. I think they do. And I'm glad they do it is her b- looking really normal and beautiful the next day when she's in class. Um, like, like Megan Fox would always look and then contrast that to when she's quote unquote hungry. And I think those two things playing off each other is really, really a small thing. But I'm glad it's in the film. I think it's a really smart way to write it. So, yeah, that's all I have. All right. So uh, this set of scenes, I mean, it starts off. I, too, have come home from the bar fucked up and just absolutely tore into a chicken. So I get that. That, that part wasn't really uh, that that shocking to me. However... <laughs> She dropped it on a straight on her friend's floor and just ate it. Off. I was like, okay, something's fucked up about this girl. Uh, and then she, the way she screamed and just that was that was bone chilling there. But you know what the fuck is this black bile she spewed out of her mouth? Now, Brian, you told us that it was uh, partially uh, Hershey syrup. So, Mike, I got to touch on something you said. You said you mentioned black ooze. Now that we know what it was made of, I think the Vince McMahon would agree that it's chocolate. But uh, anyway, I need more ooze. <laughs> um, but I did have a problem with the way the ooze looked. Now I get it; 2009, maybe uh, CGI has come a long way, but the CGI part of it didn't look great. But then the way that it just like skedaddled across the floor there, like a goddamn transformer, it didn't. That there was no payoff for that. I think that we didn't need that part. Like it looked like she spit up something that was, uh, you know, living. We could have just had it be black bile, and it would have had the exact same effect. Um, you know, then the next day at school, when she gets to school, and Needy's got this black shit under her nails and everything, like she looked stressed out. She looked like she'd been through it. So that's a great job of acting there. And I like how they made Jennifer. Like, she just seemed normal. Like, nothing ever happened. She's just Jen. But it's also confusing because she also seemed to be more bitchy just based off of Needy's reaction. Like, Needy seemed shocked by the uh, lack of empathy that uh, Jen was showing to her classmates and to the people across town. Like, she she seemed taken aback by the way Jennifer was acting and more so than just the fact that she just saw her eat her mama's Boston Market chicken. Almost like she was a mean girl. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, Jesus. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have paused for that. I saw you wanting to cut in there. I should have just kept it moving. Um, now, you know, and then we get to where she's like, you know, he he said that we would have made a banging couple. 
He said banging. No, he didn't because no one fucking talks like that. But my guy is grieving his best friend. But I do agree. The best way to get over something is to get under someone. So I get it. He's just trying to, you know, everybody grieves differently and he's just trying to get back on track. I get it. I would have followed her into the into the woods as well. Um, then, you know, we get a cool kill here. I did like the way it was set because uh, or the way it was set up. I like how she said, you're going to see him again soon. You mean in heaven like someday? He said, no. Like, I, I like I like that scene. I like the, the scene in the woods here with him. Um, and then we get the screams coming out of the woods and the teachers like playing it off like that's right let it out let it out kids i thought that was that was kind of uh a nice touch there and uh which you know what what kind of what insurance company he's spoken for is that farmers mutual like he's probably going to be getting some insurance money out of that situation anyway um i did (laughs) also juno's dad so same writer that's fun also, J. Jonah Jameson and fucking Spider-Man. True. Mamma Mia. Um, That's a reference. I did think it was a, I did think it was a cool uh, optic with the deer eating the guts. Like the effects look good there. I thought that was good. But then we get the star of the motherfucking movie. We get Patrick <laughs> Star. That is just screaming some very fucking hilarious yes. things in Patrick Star voice. Like I, I was like. I forgot he was in this movie. And so when I'm watching it with my girlfriend, I was like, holy shit, that's Patrick Starr. And she goes, what? I said, just wait for it. Then he starts talking and she goes, oh my God, it is. <laughs> so just hearing him yell, uh, you know, the, the violent threats and the profanities in Patrick Starr voice was incredible. And I have to call him Patrick Starr because I have no idea how to pronounce Bill Fagerbaki, Fagerbake. What? I've listened to him know. in an interview and I still can't say it. I tried. I knew you guys were going to go with the SpongeBob reference, but also Minnesota Straight Screaming Eagles. That's Dauber from Coach as well. It he's is. In a t- yeah, that, that's where he has. And he, he, dude, he's in a and, ton of shit. Well, and the only other thing I know him from is Marshall's. He's Marshall's dad and um, How I Met Your Mother. He, he's also yeah. like a legit six eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big guy. Um, so, I but yeah, you're right. I mean, I grew up watching Coach, and so I, I knew that. But nice. Come on. Of course I'm going to say. Too, buddy. Me too. Oh, I knew yeah. you would. I know you Anyway. Um, that's all I got on this says. Oh, yeah. He was in Halloween 2. I knew we'd reviewed something else that he was in. He was in uh, was Rob it? Zombie's Halloween 2. The only Halloween 2 that matters. Um, wow. He was only in it briefly. I thought this set of scenes did a better job. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting better as far as giving us action and everything. It's just some of the dialogue still a little too hokey for me. Uh, not crazy about it, but. It is what it is at this point. We're not going down, in my opinion of it, at least at this point. All right, Needy's mom walks in the kitchen, and she tells her of her night terror. She asks mom about her dreams. Bad people nailing her to a tree, just like JC. JC. Needy says she can take care of herself. We now see paramedics taking Jonas's body out on a stretcher, and his parents weep as they load the ambulance up. <laughs> Dad yells, and fun fact, I did not know that was Patrick Starr, so now that I know that, that's even funnier. That's even funnier now. Dad yells, he'll cut off the killer's nutsack and nail them to his door. Oh, we now shit. see Jennifer swimming across his big lake. She exits the water and her body is steaming as she gets dressed. Jennifer calls Needy and says how scrumptious she looks. Needy tells her she's still a little depressed, but Jennifer says to get over it. She says she's having the best day since Jesus invented the calendar. Chip calls her on the other line, says he needs to see her at McCollum in 15. 
We see Jennifer light her tongue on fire and the burnt flesh heals instantly. She tells Needy Chip is looking cute and asks some personal questions and she hangs up. Chip tells Needy Jonas was murdered and how all the cops are at his house. Needy says it can't be a coincidence. Chip says the bad luck has to be over. We now see Jennifer walking the hallway very diva-ish. Needy says the press couldn't get enough of them. Low shoulder song play as we see a tribute to Jonas's passing. Teacher makes an announcement now and he tells them Low Shoulder will be donating 3% of the proceeds to the victims. Needy calls them out and says they didn't help rescue anyone that night. And then an Asian girl calls them heroes. Needy tells Jennifer she looks tired. She says she looks, she feels like boo-boo. She now says PMSing isn't real. She tells Needy it's wearing off. Colin appears and she asks for his English homework. She calls him out about asking her out to hang out. He walks away when she doesn't know Rocky Horror isn't a boxing movie. Needy says she thinks he's cool and Jennifer calls for him to come back. She tells him to come to her house and they can watch some movie and she'll text her her address to him later. Jennifer now tells Needy to get her room when she kisses Chip. He tells her he got more condoms and asks if she's coming over. We're at Chip's now and they start to kiss and get intimate. Colin jams out as he drives to Jennifer's house. Colin makes it to the address and it looks a bit sketchy. He walks into the dark and creepy house after no answers from the knocks. He yells out hello and we see plastic tarps everywhere and a raven jump scares him as it flies in front of him. And then I just wrote shout out to Akon as it plays in the background. Love that song. Um, he walks into a room full of candles lit and she appears behind him. She's looking rough and he asks if this is really her house. She says it's their house and she removes her top shirt. She now says she's been sending signals all year and starts to kiss his neck and lips. Simultaneously, Chip and Needy start to have sex. Colin gets freaked out when, when rats run across the floor. She pulls his pants down and her eyes change. He's in, dis in disbelief. He cuts his hand and she grabs his hand and breaks his arm bones. Needy sees blood dripping from the ceiling and she sees dead Jonas and Jennifer in a chair behind them. We now see Jennifer biting and eating Colin in the shadows. Needy says hopeless over and over and Chip asks if she's okay and if he's hurting her. She pushes him off her and sits up gasp gasping for air. We see dead Colin and Jennifer drinking his blood. All right, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, definitely the most iconic shot of this movie with Jennifer swimming in the lake naked here. And, and I get why. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous shot. Even like has that steam coming off of Megan Fox's back as she's standing on the dock. Um, the scene was actually filmed at Sassamet Lake in Canada. And uh, Fox kind of talks about during the scene that, uh, and I believe it was in that E.T. interview. It might have been something else I read, but... Um, she talks about during this scene, she had nipple covers on and a little nude underwear, but that she had mental breakdown, uh, because of the scene, like afterwards, her agent called her and said that so there are some paparazzi that were posted up in the woods and some photos leaked of her online here in this, this group of scenes. Um, so that really, apparently really affected Megan Fox. Another great iconic shot though, with Jennifer burning her tongue. Uh, I thought the sound effects were fantastic right there. Um, my only question in this group of scenes is like, is the time jump? So, so it's been a month since the tragedy as Jay Jonah Jameson tells us. So as has Jennifer just like not eaten anyone for a month? Uh, and if so, well, why does she kill Jonas the very next day after that fire when yep. she has just, just eaten Ahmed? So that didn't really make a whole lot of sense when we found out about Ahmed later, but still like, I don't yep. know. Um, but before I get to the Colin scene here, something I do wish that they would have done a little bit better job of is like, is like that dividing line. 
and like showing the deterioration of like the Jennifer and needy relationship. Like they already had friendship issues before this possession. So I don't know. I guess I would have just liked to have seen like a, a, like number one, a stronger, like more than just one sided relationship at the start. So like the scenes maybe would hit a little bit more with the, uh, the whole jealousy thing with chip. And I, I just, I don't know. I just don't feel like that was a big enough fall or like split up. I feel like with the sexual tension thing that, that had the possibility of like being a really nice layer there, but it kind of fell flat anyway. But what didn't fall flat was the Jennifer and Colin scene to me. Now, while I'm not sure, like I loved the fact that it was at the same time as the whole chip needy sex thing. I did find it funny that chip thought he was knocking the brakes off right there. Like my man was proud of himself <laughs> when, 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 when needy was having that whole weird psychic connection thing with Jennifer, by the way, that's never really explained, but the whole, I just, I thought that was hilarious. He thought he was, he was doing something right there. Dude, um, I wrote the same thing when he goes, what, am I hurting you? Am I too yeah. big? I was like, man, I love this guy. <laughs> then, it, then the inevitable happened. Telekinesis, brother. Telekinesis. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, the, the Jennifer Collins scene though, I thought was very well done. Um, like, but can we talk about the shitty directions though, that she gave my guy the address and then it was like, turn left and you're there. Yet he clearly drives like straight for, I don't know how long. And then he just randomly sees a light on. <laughs> now, now if the roles were reversed. I would say there's no girl that would walk in that house. That's unrealistic. But in this case, I was a horny teenage boy. My ass would have been walking into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house with a dude fucking wearing a mask standing outside if 2009 Megan Fox was texting high school me like that. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> There's worse ways to go. Um, Dude, I wrote anyway, that exact great... phrase in my notes. There's worse ways to go. <laughs> word for word. <laughs> but great effects, especially on her eyes and the whole shadow work. Definitely a lot of species vibes going on. Uh, but again, not the biggest fan of cutting back to Needy and Chip. Kind of takes you out of the whole tension of the scene, in my opinion. Uh, although the soundtrack was great. Practical effects with her drinking the blood. Absolutely fucking fantastic here. My favorite group of scenes. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So, first of all, low shoulder can shoulder these nuts. If I ever hear this fucking song again, I'm going to lose my mind. It's awful. God. Anyway, uh, just wanted to get that off my chest there. um yeah so i really do i do think this is the best set of scenes for the kill at the end and that's pretty much what i have my notes on here i will say there's some subtle stuff like i mentioned in the last set of scenes the difference how of how um jennifer looks when she's not feeding she's hungry uh you know the red eyes the you know paler skin uh marks on her like i I think that's a really subtle thing that, that makes a big impact on me. So I can tell the difference. Uh, and I really do think that's good. Um, something else we get in this set of scenes that I think isn't touched on until way later, but I love how they kind of nuance it throughout the film. You know, it, it, it takes needy mentioning that she thinks Colin is super cool for Jennifer to want to eat him. It's almost like she's a shitty friend, like I said in the beginning, where, oh, she may have the hot form. Not today. I want all the attention. I want all the boys. And I do think that's her mindset here, even with this demon inside of her. I think that's her motive by eating Colin. She doesn't want Needy to have him. And I think that's, you know, 
subtle throughout the film, but definitely hit head on later as you know, needy calls her out about all that stuff. But okay. I'm the complete opposite of Brian. I'm not saying I want a horny teenager. And that mind is a, that mind is basically like ground beef brother. Like once it takes over the hormones are hormones. I'm not, if I drive up and that's the house that you're living in, I'm out. I'm out. I can't do it. I cannot do it. I don't want to go inside. I don't care what the reason is. I'm good. Now, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just saying that house looks like it was being renovated, and I ain't a part of it. No, thank you. So I would probably have drove away. Now, I would have missed out on, on well, actually, I would have missed out on getting eaten. So I think I'm the smart one here. Anyway. Uh, I just call shenanigans. I don't believe that for one second. I if anybody, if anybody this, had ever been questioning I'm where deeply, the line is with Mike, here it is. This I'm is the line. That's what I'm saying. I'm a deeply devoted man. I don't speak of such things. Anyway, exactly. here we go. Now. Let's go. I actually disagree with you, Brian. I like the back and forth of the two sex scenes. I think it create it's almost like a yin and a yang. Like I think that that the difference between two people that are actually want to get, you know, steamy with each other and and then there's this nervous tension from Colin and doesn't quite know how to take this aggressive sexual deviancy here, I think is pretty fun. Um and I now the telekinesis stuff is not explained. I think it's bad. I don't like it. It kind of, if it were explained away, fine, but it's not at all. Uh, it's not like she had been bitten by Jennifer yet at this point. That would have been an explanation I think I would have been okay with. But there's no link between the two outside of being really old friends. And I don't think they do a good job of exploring why she's losing her virginity to her longtime boyfriend. She's having this telling kinetic battle with her friend and there's blood dripping on the roof and by the way if i ever if i'm ever doing that and i look up and see blood dripping from the roof i'm leaving i don't care how great it is i'm out can't do it no sir but um all in all i think the kill of Colin, i think it's shot really cool uh behind the curtain it's just shadows behind the curtain you get that scene and I think the kill is really cool because you don't see it. It looks like she's ripping his you-know-what's off, and I think that's, again, very nice. different. Well, I'm just trying to clean up my act here, bud. Anyway, <laughs> but, yeah, I actually like the back and forth. However, the whole – it would be a lot more awkward for Needy and Chip the, the, the next day that they ended up being. Like, he's buying her a ticket to formal and all this other stuff. I've been like, man, that was weird. I, I don't – you sure you want to go to get – like, I don't know what's going on here, but – yeah, I like that. I like the set of scenes. I think the back and forth is really well done. Yeah. So, um, first of all, my bad. I jumped the gun on the Patrick Starr thing, uh, the last set of scenes. Um, I threw that in with the last set of scenes. Then Nico opens this set with uh, talking about it. So, that's my bad on that. But um, I, I one of the things that uh, – well, before we get there here. So, the lower shoulder, lower shoulder, uh, shoulder ache, whatever the fuck their name is. That band can go to hell. Um, I agree. If I hear that song one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. I think that's like a, a trigger for me now. Is when I hear it, I'm just going to snap. But um, <clears throat> they did a good job, though, of never letting you forget about that band. Every time you turn around, they're, they're somewhere. So it kind of shows like, the, the you know, kind of went to prove that the whole thing with Jennifer wasn't all for naught. Like, they definitely have more notoriety because they were there at this fire and they're just all over the radio and everything. But um, I thought the comment was funny 
when they were talking about they're donating 3% and someone was like, well, what about the other 97%? But the best thing about this movie to me is the way that they manipulated Jennifer's look in between feedings. Uh, I thought that was phenomenal. Like you could tell when she was full, she looked like this, you know, well done up, uh, picture perfect um, cheerleader. And then when she was hungry, she looked like she had been um, through hell and back. So, but I did put though that I I don't like how inconsistent it was because like you mentioned, Brian, like if she can go so long without eating, then why the hell was she needing to eat the very next day? She looked like shit the next day. You know, it's just inconsistencies there. Um, Colin was an interesting character for me in this movie. Because it really, like, Needy is the most puzzling high school student, I think, of all time. You want to talk about someone that literally got along with everyone. Her best friend's a cheerleader, and her other best friend is, uh, you know, an emo goth. I guess South Park said that those are two different things, but to me, they, they kind of run yeah, together. Yeah, those are two different things. And then uh, her boyfriend's just, you know, a, a regular dude. So um, I, I thought that. You know, Chip was hilarious to me throughout this movie when, uh, well, to, to through this point, I guess, because later when he starts really questioning uh, Needy's sanity and then goes against her wishes and then betrays her trust, son of a bitch. Um, but the scene with the condoms, like when he's talking, they're talking, he goes, and I got some more condoms. He's like, oh, uh, I'm not saying like, that's why, like, that's such a high school conversation, right? Like you're. You're trying to be like, yeah, I'm cool. Yeah. I got condoms. I know we're going to have sex. But also, you don't want to say the same thing or the wrong thing that's going to have your girlfriend keep, be completely turned off. So you got to be like, oh, well, I'm not saying that's why you're coming over. I was just uh, letting you know. It's like, yeah, I thought that was that was spot on. Um, and yeah, I call shenanigans, Michael Settle. Bullshit. Megan Fox calls you. I'm not saying to this day because I know you're in love with Kat. But to this day, Megan Fox calls you. He's like, hey, come to this fucking murder scene. You're pulling up, pal. I don't care. I wouldn't want to show up and her have a machine gun there. Anyway. It's going to age poorly. <laughs> Megan Fox. Yeah, there's worse ways to go. So I'm very confused about, you know, the sex scene with Needy and Chip. Like, like you guys mentioned, the telekinesis did not make sense. There was no payoff. There's no explanation. What? Why? Why? It was. It didn't. We didn't need it. Honestly, it was like it. There was no payoff. So if you just wanted to have a reason for her to leave all upset, you could have just been like, uh, you know, she was freaked out, feeling guilty because she just had sex, or maybe Chip was being too pushy, so she leaves. Like I don't know. The telekinesis didn't make sense. It was, it was illogical. So. Um, yeah, that, that was it. that was irritating. But I did also like the way Colin's death was shot. Um, I agree. All right, Needy runs out of the house and drives away. She swerves when she sees Jennifer walking out of the woods like on all fours. <clears throat> Needy looks around and Jennifer lands on her windshield, scaring her. She drives away now running inside her house, calling for her mommy. She sits on the couch crying in the fetal position. She flashes back to watching Jennifer with the flags and her being driven off with a band in the van. Needy lays down in bed now, and she's scared when Jennifer reveals herself in the bed. She yells, get out. Jennifer tells her she's not going to bite her, and she plays with her hair, and they start to kiss passionately. Needy snaps out of it, yelling, what's happening? 
She says she saw her and she's going to call the police. Jennifer says she wants to explain some things to her. She now tells her what happened with the band. She says they're agents of Satan with cool haircuts. Flashback and Jennifer asks where they're going and if they're rapists. She tells them they're a virgin thinking they'll sway her, sway them to let her free. They tie her up and gag her. They light a flame and Nikolai asks a band member, do you want to be rich and famous or work at a coffee shop forever? They're performing a satanic ritual to become famous. She cries and begs for her life to be spared. She offers to help them sell t-shirts and be a part of their street scene. He pulls out his Bowie knife now and he tells her she's the girl for him and they start to sing 8675309 as we get slow-mo shots of her being stabbed and butchered. She says it should have killed me, but it didn't. Nikolai chunks the knife into the whirlpool by the waterfall. She says she doesn't remember what happened much after that. We see Jennifer now on the street passing Ahmet who survived the fire. She asks him repeatedly if anyone knows he's alive. You come with me as she drags him into the woods. When she's full, she's unkillable as she stabs and cuts herself and instantly heals. Jennifer tells her she should talk to someone about these thoughts. She tells her Chip is having second thoughts and Needy tells her to leave. Jennifer gets dressed and hops out the window. See you at school. We're at Colin's funeral now and two of his weirdo friends say they should be with him making a scene. Colin's mom now calls him out saying he wouldn't want to be eating cannibalistic style before his 18th birthday. He looked like lasagna with teeth. She tells him he's in an overpriced rose box, not flying around in an unknown world. Take your pain and show it up your asses, kids. They did a big memorial for Colin, Needy says. No one seemed to care anymore. All right, go ahead, Brian. So first off, this uh, quote-unquote love scene, and I say quote because it was actually originally written by Cody to be a full-on sex scene, but she toned it down. And I know coming from me, it's going to sound super pervy because I'm a guy, but I do wish that they would have either like left it in or at least not had Needy stop anything. I just, again, I think it would have strengthened their relationship more between Needy and Jennifer and made it more complicated. And therefore that like that betrayal, uh, it would have meant, you know, it would have been more of a bigger emotional thing um, when it happens later. Um, you know, and, and I don't know, have Chip walk in on them or something. I just... I just think personally it would have been a better third act as far as the plot arcs go. Um, now with that said, uh, Amanda Seyfried admitted in interviews that she really enjoyed her love scene with Megan Fox. She said it was very exciting. Quote, Jennifer's body is my favorite movie I've ever done. It was overlooked in theaters, but it does have a DVD following now. I can't believe nobody wanted to see Megan Fox and me hitting it. They had an extreme close-up of our tongues, and I'm telling you the thing about that scene is that it's actually really sexy. I think Megan and I kissed really well together. We have similar kissing styles, and it worked. We got it done for the masses. And, I mean, it, she's not wrong. I mean, that kiss that kiss was right up there with cruel intentions. I mean, like, honestly, it, it looked like it did probably take some cute cues from, from cruel intentions there. That sounds but. so weird transcribed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the flashback scene though, this is one of those things I was, I was, you know, talking about at the start. Um, and Mike was talking about too, with them flipping tropes on their head. Like usually if you're the virgin, you're dead in a horror movie. And in this case we have being a virgin being the worst thing that could happen here. Um, but I I do wonder if this would have made like the opening better to see this like happen real time instead of Jennifer telling the story. Um, also, Hey, also, I mean, Props to Cody. Now, years later, we hear all of these rumors of this really happening in Hollywood. Maybe she was trying to tell everyone something back then. Anyway, I don't know. Um, great effects on her arm healing back up. 
I just think they could have come up with a better way to split them up than this weird conversation is all like I, I, I did love Colin's mom's speech at the uh, at the funeral to the dipshit goth kids at the funeral. But again, like hardly any time has gone by here because Chip says he made love to her for four minutes the quote other night, but she just ate. So how long has it been between here and the formal? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, to end on a good note. The shot of Chip walking through the park on the way to the dance and Jennifer kind of blurred out and walking in slow motion behind him, I thought was a fucking fantastic shot. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I think the big chunk of this scene is obviously in uh, Needy's bedroom or whatever. Um, I think the shot of uh, Megan Fox in the street is kind of genuinely scary. Uh, you know, if that if you're someone that scares, that's a really good jump scare to me. I thought that was well done. And then to have her back in her bedroom lets us know. And and we already knew, obviously she's eating guys, but let's, it really puts it out there about, okay, she's something other than human. She's no longer just this person that used to be your best friend. Um, Look, this scene to me in my head is something, you know, this kissing makeout scene is something that needy always kind of wanted to take place. I think they hint at it. It's subtle throughout the film, which I've already mentioned. Uh, and I think that's why it happens is because she's being, she's trying to manipulate needy into being more comfortable and, and kind of exploiting what maybe might be some repressed feelings. Um, and I could be wrong there, but that's kind of what I took away from, uh, at least, uh, you know, uh, uh, needy's point of view. Uh, I do think this conversation is weird. Um, but I think the acting here is the most solid from the two in the entire film. Uh, their facial expressions are really good. I, I think the dialogue here is okay. Uh, but I I wish they could have maybe had a bigger fallout than this. It seems so small. It's like get out of my room kind of thing, which I think you could you know, take as I'll, I'll see you tomorrow kind of fight not necessarily this big brouhaha that ends up ruining their friendship it just it doesn't feel big enough for the moment to me um this scene at the funeral the speech by uh colin's mom is fantastic it's great acting i think it comes across really well it makes stuff that it, it doesn't make fun of the goth kids per se but it's also kind of making their nonsense about being in the realm or whatever seemed very trivial compared to someone who just lost their son. Uh, I, I Especially when they use the line, you look like lasagna with teeth, which is used again. And I think that's a perfect way to describe how he ended up looking the last time we saw him, uh, pretty much. So again, um, I think obviously it's not the best set of scenes, but I like what it's setting up because now we've split up this friendship. We've gone the other way, and I like where that ends up taking us. Yeah, so uh, Jen here is, this is, she's nuts. This is a great look, how she's, uh, you know, in the streets looking like she's literally possessed. And then she jumps on the windshield like that, cracking the windshield. Now, here's the thing, though. If, one thing here, so in this scene, Jennifer's wearing an Evil Dead t-shirt, and there's an Evil Dead poster on the wall. Uh, So, Think, think about this. This movie is does have a lot of meta in it. Um, both of those movies have, or I'm sorry, 
both of these movies, Evil Dead and Jennifer's Body, have an evil force in the woods that take possession of young female that preys on school friends. And so uh, I thought that was a nice little nod there <clears throat> to the Evil Dead. Um, okay, so then she goes and telling her about what happened that night with the band and everything. Why wouldn't she just fucking tell the truth that she's not a virgin? Now, I get it might not have worked, but she never even said I lied. Like when they she's tied up and they're clearly saying that it has to be a virgin. Like they make it very clear that they're happy that she's a virgin. It would have behooved her to just, you know, tell the truth and say, I lied. I lied. I promise. I've done it all. She even said earlier in the film, she's not even a backdoor virgin anymore, which I meant to mention earlier. That was fucking hilarious dialogue, too. She's like, it hurts. I had to sit on a bag of peas. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this girl's vulgar. Um, but, you know, the, my thing with the with this story is she's telling her all these the horrible things that these douchebags did to her just to get famous. Um, but it's not really explained, like, how did she go from that to eating Ahmet? Like, I, I get it. Like, she felt hungry. But how did she just instantly know she had to eat people? How Or, you know, that she was going to prey on the men? Like, it was just a little bit of a gap there. Because that was, like, right after this shit happened. She's walking home from this. And then, hey, Ahmet, anyone know you're alive? Sure. I'm going to eat you. So, a little bit of a problem there. And if she does immediately know, hey, I need to eat people. Or even not immediately. If she just knows it in general, which... By the time she's telling the story, she clearly knows she's been doing it. She's almost a fucking pro. Why would she find the motherfuckers that did this to her? Why would she eat the band? They're uh, clearly still on their publicity tour. Like, they shouldn't be hard to find. So, a little irritated that she didn't exact her revenge on the people that did this to her. Instead, she's killing her innocent classmates. And another thing, why did this turn her into Wolverine? Um. She and it was funny though because she said this is like some X Men shit, uh, so that was a funny nod there because that's immediately what I thought. It's like holy shit, she's Wolverine. Um, I don't know. It's a little bit of some crazy. Like I said, I've mentioned this on a couple of reviews before. I hate when they just like make their own rules up and everything without really explaining why the shit's happening. Um, Should have done a better job of saying if it's not a virgin, then she's gonna get superpowers and you know eat everyone you know. Whatever. The lasagna with teeth line, though, was fucking hilarious. And it made up for everything in this set of scenes. Like, just imagine you're at a funeral and, and the lady says, my son looks like a lasagna with teeth. That I'm the worst about laughing at inappropriate situations. I would have had to leave that funeral. Um, but that being said, I do think the the funeral scene was a little bit unneeded, unnecessary. Like, we know the community is going through pain, but nothing really happened at the funeral to progress any kind of storyline and so when i talked about how this movie felt like it dragged and lasted forever when when we watched the uh, director's cut or unrated whatever you want to call it um that scene alone the whole funeral could have just been nixed all right needy is doing paranormal research in the library now on demons she discovers if the sacrifice is unpure they will become a demon needy says she and jennifer haven't spoken in a month as chip approaches he says he bought their formal tickets. She says she can't go with him, and he asks if they're breaking up. She asks to please let her show him. She's actually evil, not high school evil. She tells him how the band tried to sacrifice a virgin who wasn't a virgin. The demon lives in her, and she feeds on flesh. She's eating boys, and the dance would be like an all-you-can-eat buffet. Chip says he doesn't believe in all this. 
He says he ordered her corsage, and she asks him to promise he won't go. She asks if it's not. She asks, She says it's not safe for us to be together right now, and he walks away devastated as Needy sits there alone. We see the dance being set up now, and the kids getting dressed and ready. Chip's mom walks in his room and gives him some pepper spray as protection. He tells mom that he's meeting Needy at the dance, and she wants pictures with her sister. Needy and her mom take pictures together as well. We now see Jennifer covering herself with makeup. Colin's friends walk inside popping balloons dedicated to strange events. Needy is on Jennifer watch. We now see Chip walking through the park alone. Teacher comes on stage now and has the music cut. We see a person walking behind Chip and Jennifer appears in front of him. He tells her he couldn't hear her calling his name. She brings up Needy saying she's worried. Jennifer tells Chip she knows why Needy is upset. She lies, saying Needy and Colin were sleeping together on a semi-regular basis. I can't believe she'd mess with your head like this. I care about you so much, Chip. She kisses Chip, saying Needy doesn't deserve him. Teacher announces low shoulder as they come on stage. Needy is visibly upset when they start to sing their song. Jennifer and Chip kiss more, and he asks if they can go somewhere else. Needy says Chip's name and runs out of the auditorium. She begins to run to his house. She gets to his house, and Mom says he already left, and he cuts across the park, and then Needy takes off running. And the next two scenes are the ending. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, again, this is where the movie is really, really ratcheted up. Um, I well, you know, you could kind of move along the scene where she's researching what a succubus is and all that. Of course, the boyfriend unbeliever, typical bullshit that we always see. Um, but them breaking up to me doesn't add anything. I I don't quite understand why she feels the need to say it's not safe that we're not that we're together right now when i would think that's the one time they would want to be together if if this man-eating you know vampire or succubus thing is on the loose i would think that's probably better to stay together uh but that's just me um two <laughs> one when they're you know they show each of them in in their in their formal dresses you know, in this set of scenes here, I'm watching it with Catherine and she says, she says, make sure you mention on your show that both of these two are wearing ugly fucking dresses. <laughs> so I figured for people that care, I feel like that was something that I added a little bit because, yeah, they're both pretty fucking <laughs> ugly. Just being honest. Um, OK, so. I think what this does is prove my point all along. The first time I ever saw it was how manipulative jennifer is even though most of it we find out it's her own insecurities about things and stuff like that not making excuses for it but just kind of this is the person that she is even with this demon thing you know that's inside of her or she's become a demon or whatever but um obviously she manipulates chip lies about Colin. um but even if i if i were chip I would have, my gears would have started turning there after she said that because her coming on to him, the whole thing seems a little forced, seems a little bit, I would have a big question mark like, wait, why are you trying to come at me? You aren't supposed to be Needy's friend, blah, blah, blah. Like that would make me go back to what Needy said and said, oh, maybe she has a point. Maybe she's right. Instead, he's just a dumbass kid that doesn't believe his girlfriend again. <laughs> it's just. Ah, uh, bugs me so much. Um, but I like I like some of these shots. You know, I like him kind of or her kind of walking behind Chip. I think that's a really cool shot. I think 
some of the, first of all, low shoulder again can go fuck itself. <laughs> Although I do think Adam Brody is hilarious. I think he overdoes the singing <laughs> performance. I think it's on purpose. And I think it's really funny. Um, and, you know, her realizing, oh shit, Chip, I think there's a really cool, it's not quite slow motion, but kind of like pans in, pans out on Needy. And I think it's really good. Uh, so some really good shots here as we're about to ratchet up the horror part of this film, which I'm excited for. So I do like that in this set of scenes we do get when she's doing her research, we get the explanation of what will happen if it's not a virgin. But I do wish that we'd have gotten more of an explanation about what that entails. Like, what does that mean? What's going to come of it? What side effects is she going to have as a demon? Um, and then this is actually where, you know, we talked about it earlier. Mike mentioned it and I chimed in. Um, this is where I really got pissed off at Chip because I was like, why the fuck wouldn't you? Like, there's crazy shit going on. Your classmates are being eaten. Like, not just killed and picked off. Like, they're being eaten. Why wouldn't you at least hear her out? Why wouldn't you, you know, maybe there's some validity to what she's saying. But also, why the hell wouldn't she want him to go to the formal with her? Because then, you know, if they're together in a crowded room at the formal, she can keep an ding, eye ding, on him. Ding. And maybe protect him and keep him from dying. Uh, less of a chance that he dies there. And then we get to the formal. And low shoulder is right fucking there. Why would Jennifer not kill them? They're the ones that did this to her. Um, and if she can't, like maybe they, maybe she should have thrown that in. Maybe there's some stipulation about the people who did this to you are, you know, invincible. You can't harm them. Something like that. I'd have been fine with it, but she doesn't even try. That irritates me. Good point. Um, an, another thing that I wrote down in the bar scene, but I forgot, and I mentioned it here. Or I'll mention it here. So this is our second love, love. Uh, I almost said love fist. Holy shit. That's the band off of Vice City. Grand Theft Auto Vice City. <laughs> Low shoulder. Um, we get our second performance here. One of the things that irritates me about movies is when we get like a concert within the movie, but there's like, they focus on the concert. So when they're singing in the bar earlier, like this is shot like a music video. We're hearing the whole song and nothing else is happening. They're really wanting us to focus on them singing here. They irritate shit. I mean, they're not a real uh, you know, focal point of the storyline. They're central characters, but their musical performance doesn't really matter. Um, I like how in uh, like Back to the Future, that's a musical performance that I like because, yeah, they're up on stage and. We'll see him on stage singing, and then it cuts away, and we got action somewhere else. Biff's in the car with uh, with his mom. You know, something else. We don't need to just focus on the mu music. Last thing I have on this set of scenes, because that was a little bit of a side tangent, was uh, when she realizes, oh, shit, Chip, and she takes off running and goes to his house. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, God damn it, where do I know this woman from? It's the fucking mom from Air Bud. So not only do we have Patrick Starr, Chip's mom <laughs> is Jackie from Air Bud. Yes. Two central yes. parts of my childhood are in this movie. So, you know, maybe it's maybe as we're doing this, maybe I just gave them a, another quarter of a uh, point in my rating. I don't know. Because <laughs> shout out to Jackie from oh, the Air Bud. Yeah. The casting in this movie is great. So A plus on gas. It is. Th three and a quarter now, Dustin. Wow. <laughs> just stay tuned, folks. <laughs> All, right. All right. Here's the ending, guys. We're in some abandoned pool building now and it's gross as fuck. Chip asks what she's doing. She jokes swimming. 
We see Needy sprinting to find Chip. Jennifer says she feels so empty, and Chip agrees. She asks for him to kiss again, but he says he can't. It feels weird. She throws him into the pool now, slamming him around. Needy hears a cry for help and runs to the pool building. She sees Jennifer biting Chip's neck now and asks for the power to crush this bitch and dives into the pool. She gets Jennifer away from Chip, and she swims full speed at her, and Chip tosses Needy the pepper spray. She sprays Jennifer to little success. She vomits the black stuff on them, and she hovers out the water now. They share some insults, and Needy says, you are never a good friend. Needy calls her out for not being relevant anymore and needing laxative to stay skinny. She walks towards Needy now, and Chip stabs like this pole through her core area. She asks for a tampon now, seem like you might be plugging, and that's that's a hilarious line. Jennifer crawls out the building now, and Chip dies in Needy's arms after he says he should have believed her. Needy is in her bed in her dirty-ass clothes now, and she looks at a picture of her and Chip and now a pic of her and Jennifer. She snaps on the inside and gets dressed for combat. Jennifer is in bed circling her next victims in the yearbook, watching the Gazelle workout infomercial. She turns the TV and lights off to go to sleep until someone dives through her window. Needy jumps on top of her and chokes her, and Jennifer grabs her, biting her shoulder. <laughs> she pulls out a box cutter, and Jennifer jokes, asking if she buys all of her murder weapons at Home Depot, calling her butch. <laughs> Jennifer levitates levitates them, and they combat. Needy rips off the BFF necklace, and Jennifer falls onto the bed. Needy falls on top of her now, stabbing her in the heart with the box cutter, killing her. Jennifer's mom walks in and sees Needy on top of her with a box cutter in her heart. She falls over and she sees her holding Jennifer's body in her arms. Back to Needy in the cell and we see her levitating when food is put in her cell. She says if you're bitten by a demon and live, you inherit some of their traits. Needy kicks open the great window of confinement and escapes. She walks through the (laughs) chain link fence and walks along the road and she finds the Bowie knife from the band. She hitchhikes a ride to Madison to see a band play their final show. Some end credits rolls we see low shoulders signing autographs and them going to their suites. They hear a doorbell ring and we see blood splatter and corpses on the ground. Police gather evidence from the crime scene. Fans run to find their dead bodies as we see Needy walking out the hotel. And before I let you go, Brian, fun fact, that's Lance Henriksen who picks up uh, Needy. I did not know that until I read through IMDb's trivia. That's pretty awesome. Go ahead, brother. Yep. Yep. Um, Sorry if I stole your fun fact right there. (laughs) It's good. You're good. You're good. Um, First off, I think it's a great ending. Like I, I liked it a lot. Um, the scene in the pool building I thought looked great. Um, I thought that was a funny description as Nico read it too. Um, but it's it's true. It's right on right on point. Um, as as most of his are. Spaghetti Death Death House comes to to mind as probably the greatest description of any house I've ever heard. Uh, go back to listen to our seven episode on dogwather.com. But actually, when uh, when Jennifer takes Chip to the pool, you can actually read the uh, word "hopeless" written in red on uh, one of the sides of the pool. It comes into view for like a few times as this whole scene plays out. Uh, that's definitely a callback to earlier with, uh, with Colin, where she said she, she needed her victims to be helpless, but great combination of action soundtrack. I think um, just a couple of random thoughts I had written down here. Seems like an odd place for an old building with a pool in it, but okay. Um, also, I think the shoot was four days. If I remember reading that correctly, actually not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, and I also, I think Fox is, Megan Fox is great. I think when needy is, is telling her off and and she screams that she's going to eat her soul and shit it out. I, I kind of wish we would have gotten to see a little bit more of a fight there. Actually. Like I thought Megan Fox's performance right there was fantastic. 
Um, and this makes me wish they would have done a sequel, actually. I mean, you could still have Megan Fox in it, just have her, you know, be this voice in Needy's head that she keeps hearing or seeing. But, but I mean, I mean, I know this definitely didn't do well enough in theaters for that one. But uh, um, like Nico said, I had written down the same thing about a shout out to Lance Hendricks from Aliens. Um, but also shout out to friend of the show, Carrie Ginzel, who shortly played Jennifer's mom here. Um, she did an intro to this episode for us, but also, um, she did say that she had some scenes that she filmed that were cut. So, um, she was briefly in this, but that's all I had on the ending. I thought it was very well done. Yeah. I know I said that another set is probably my favorite set, but this is actually my favorite set of scenes. I think this ending brings it home. I think it's the best part of the film. It's the most horror part of this movie to me, um, or in the in the traditional sense anyway. Um, I think the pool building looks disgusting in a good way. I think it's great. The shots they get, the cinematography is really good here. Um, I think it's it's really a really good set piece for sure to find you know to have a nasty looking pool with dirty water and an old building and you know I appreciate the character of Chip finally. You know, not, not again, he didn't believe his girlfriend just yet or his ex-girlfriend or whatever, but not, but, but, but being able to be like, nah, this doesn't feel right. I'm good. And then we basically see a full on, and she's already kind of a heel, you know, but we see a full on heel turn here from Jennifer by throwing him in the water. Um, Cause at this point she just wants to feed. She's cutting out all the other BS with the teasing and stuff. She's over it. And I like that. Uh, I think it's, Again, this is where the telekinesis stuff isn't explained very well because Needy shows up at this building with the pool, fine, whatever. Um, but I really love this scene. I think it's good. She basically says, fuck it, jumps in the pool. They're both gross. They're going at it. Like I like all of that. I think it's really good. Um, and I like that, you know, the dialogue that they have there where she's telling her the fuck off, finally standing up to her for basically the first time ever. I love the comeback that Brian mentioned. I think it's really good. Um, and, you know, she gets stabbed, which as an audience, we know that's going to heal. Um, Needy knows that's going to uh, heal, but he doesn't. And maybe he thinks he's, you know, saved her life or whatever. Uh, so that's a good way for someone to go if that's how you're going to go, I guess. Uh, but obviously that wasn't the case. Shows up to Jennifer's house. This, this elevated fight, scene back and forth or whatever is not only really good, but again, there's a little bit more of that weird sexual tension that <laughs> even though they're trying to kick each other's ass and she's there to kill Jennifer with a box cutter, which by the way, that's there's, there, there's better ways. There's better ways to stab people than a box cutter from Lowe's. Okay. Home Depot. It's, it's just throwing it out there. There's kitchen knives, you know, that Michael Myers uses anyway, whatever. Um, but I think it's at least a unique weapon, so I'll give them credit there. But like she said, the box cutter is she's going to cut a box with it, so that's why I thought that was funny. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, and I, I like that we go back to have to be stabbed in the heart. Uh, I don't even know if Jennifer knows that, so that's why she says my tit, <laughs> and, and then nope, the heart, and then she dies. Uh, I think that's a little bit moment. A little bit of a moment of levity and a moment where someone's dying. I, I think that was kind of well-placed, at least in my opinion. Um, now, I will say, had they saved the fact that Needy was in prison for uh, the end, not the beginning, but just the end, 
And the scene when Jennifer's mom walks in and she's that it doesn't matter what all else happened before. She's laying on top of her daughter with a box cutter that all of that would have meant a lot more to me. If we find out that she's narrating this thing from behind prison walls, I think that hits so much harder uh, at the end here where she's in prison, like, and she's levitating. And I think that's, again, I would have loved it more if they just, if that's the only time we saw her there. Changed person. I love the character development from Needy to get to this point. I just wish we hadn't seen it already. I wanted to get to that place organically, and we don't. Don't you say anything about organic, Mike. I'm just saying organically in natural <laughs> sense of the word, all right? Anyway, uh, but yeah, I and again, I like the little aliens not here. I think her breaking out of prison is something, if it were her, maybe I would have done it before if I knew I had these powers. But any, anyway, I'm like you, Brian. This movie would be fun with a sequel, uh, in my opinion, so many years later. Maybe like a Netflix special or something like that. Not anything big time, but just something for fans of the film. I think if they got back together and did it, I, I think it would be pretty fun. So, yeah, favorite set of scenes right here for sure. Uh, it's a nice way to wrap up the movie to me. So, first of all, Chip deserved it. Um, you know, you can't be unfaithful, bro. Like, I get it, you're, but you're, you weren't listening. Your girlfriend wasn't breaking up with you. She's trying to protect you. We don't need to be together right now. It doesn't mean we can't be together anyway. Uh, he deserved it. But I, too, would follow Megan Fox wherever she wanted to take me. Um, the fight scene in the pool I thought was cool. I, I like that. When Needy shows up and she jumps in the pool and they're, they're going at it, I thought that was awesome. Great great tension built there. You didn't. Again, this whole ending is spoiled because of how the opening is. Like We know what the, what the end result is going to be. Um, but still some cool shots here. I like when they're in the pool. But the bile come back up. Like, there's no explanation about the bile. Is that a side effect? Is that something she does intentionally? Is that a nervous reaction? What is what is up with it? Because she spits it again here, but, you know, the only other time we saw it was in the kitchen. And uh, so there's no real explanation about why that happens. Is she inking like an octopus? Like, what's really happening here? Um, I did like the scene where she start, you know, she flies up out of the water. She goes, oh, great. She can fly now. And, uh, the, you know, the line of she's not flying, she's hovering. Like, I thought that was hilarious there because even it's not that even, impressive. Yeah, it's not that <laughs> impressive. Even as they're trying to kill each other, you still got time to be a hater. I love it. Um, <laughs> but I absolutely fucking hated the line. You know, well, first of all, when she stabbed her, they did say earlier the only way to kill her is a, you know, a metal stake through the heart. And so when Chip lunges out and he stabs her in the stomach or whatever, um, it just it would have been better for i i don't know it would have been i wish that uh needy had grabbed it and tried to stab her in the heart i guess that's what i'm saying and but the line about are, are you plugging like holy shit man i i asked my girlfriend I said jesus christ is that how y'all women talk to each other and she said i've never said that she was like appalled that that line was in there that's that's some pretty foul shit there you plugging but um <laughs> The ending was good, though, overall. It's just it really didn't get over with me just because of how the, like I'm so annoyed that they gave away their finish with the opening scene. So, um, and I, again, if she had these powers, wouldn't she try to break out sooner? I agree with that point as well. But um, yeah. overall, the, the ending was as good as the rest of the movie to me. 
All right, any more final thoughts on the ending before we jump into our social media comments and questions? All right, uh, <laughs> let's do Facebook first. <laughs> Just because Kevin Potoff always has great comments. Holy shit, two in a row must be my birthday. Are you guys sure you don't want to review Midsummer Part 3 instead? Love the show, guys. Thank, <laughs> thanks, Kevin. Wait till he finds out my pick for next week. <laughs> Too late. Thanks for listening, Kevin. <laughs> Good old Kevin. Uh, Michelle Merza commented or tweeted us on Twitter. Just watched this for the first time the other night. I didn't love it or hate it. I finished the movie and was very conflicted. I kind of felt the same way my, after my first watch. Our uh, Instagram, we got uh, Marnie. I think this is the one who, I think Marnie's the one who's been messaging saying that she's super ready for this episode. She just commented, fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love the enthusiasm. Uh, Alex One co- uh, commented, this is a great example of top quality horror movie that flew under people's radar for stupid reasons. I recall that at the time, Megan Fox strangely had a polarizing effect on a lot of people. And more importantly, the marketing was misguided and set the movie up for failure. Even now, when I try to convince people who haven't seen Jennifer's Body to watch it, they vehemently refuse. No reason why it is ever given. They just know it to be a bad movie. Couldn't be further from the truth, if you ask me. I I honestly think all of us kind of agree that the uh, marketing was not executed well at all. Uh, Elbow.Tyler commented, do you buy all your murder weapons at Home Depot? God, you're a butch. That's a great line. That's a great line. I, I laughed at it. Uh, Horrorhead Heather eighty five commented, "Love this one. Excited to hear all your thoughts. Appreciate that, Heather." Uh, and the last com- last comment we got is, "I actually this is from Mark underscore Hef. I actually like this one. Story was decent. Cast was good for obvious reason. Megan can do no wrong. Just ask. Just ask Optimus Prime. Would have liked more on screen gore. Like the ending. I think this movie gets better after a couple of viewings." And mostly think people didn't like it because Megan is top of the call me sometime list. <laughs> Amanda is not <laughs> Amanda is not far behind either. Did you guys have trouble taking it serious though? I did on my first watch. Uh, I do. I definitely think it gets better with age, especially as we get older and lose some of the dumb young male brains, and we kind of see what the movie's trying to say and do. I think it's a much better film. Uh, through the lens of my eyes now than it was then for sure. So I, I agree with him there. I, I think it gets better with more views. I don't know. I always thought I always, I never really took it really seriously to begin with. I mean, like I said, I always had it in the category as, as uh, species and, and the faculty, which is just fun, you know, just fun movies to me. So. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, Brian, like, like we yeah, mentioned earlier with that, uh, that ET interview, once you listen to those two, oh, yeah. those two women speak, you do see a lot more of what uh, Diablo was writing. You know, right? What like the underlying messages? Oh, my bad. Go ahead, Dustin. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I was staring, um, yeah. I was staring at my phone. I didn't even look up. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good, man. Um, I what, what was re- repeat the question? I fought for you in this bed. <laughs> I did. I wasn't. Right. I wasn't in a hurry to answer that one. Because I thought this was more aimed <laughs> no. towards the people that like the movie. No, he just. Oh, that, I guess that's fair. At the end of his comment, he just basically said, "Do you guys have trouble taking it serious?" Because oh, yeah. I did on my first watch. Well, I mean, it's it's listed under uh, IMDb as a comedy slash horror, um, so I don't think yeah, it's it supposed is. to be taken too seriously. And if it uh, was to be taken too seriously, then the dialogue wouldn't have included the fucking phrase "Are you plugging?" So no. <laughs> 
I uh, I don't struggle to take it seriously because I didn't try to take it seriously. All right, uh, let's knock out fun facts real quick. Uh, to prepare for her role as a possessed living dead teenager, Megan Fox lost around 15 pounds, bringing her weight down to a near frail 97 pounds and stayed out of the sun the whole time. That's crazy. Couldn't do it. Wow. Yeah, the only one I have is uh, the film's also co-produced by by Juno director Jason Reitman. It's also in Ghostbusters 2 and directed Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ah. I said all mine. Okay. Uh, the budget for this movie was a cool $16 million. Uh, the box office was $31.6 million, so not like terrible or anything, but obviously way too low for any kind of sequel or anything like that. I, I think that again, we said at the top of this movie, uh, I think this movie would have done better if, if marketed better. I really do. Now you may not like the movie, but I think if you would have marketed it, marketed it as a horror movie for the teenage female audience or, you know, I think it would have worked a lot better. And I think that cost it a lot of money because the first thing that you type or one of the, th- like the second or third thing, if you type in Jennifer's body, on Google is did Jennifer's body flop? Well, technically, yes, but technically also no because it's a movie we're on this show talking about that a lot of people really like. So uh, I think it deserves the well-titled cult classic line. Absolutely. Uh, let's jump into our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. Does anybody want to go first tonight? I'll, I'll go first. Then then you can be uh, negative, Nancy Dustin. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm just kidding, brother. Uh, favorite kill. This is kind of hard, but I just chose Jonas. Uh, you see the demonic teeth, then you see his ravaged corpse. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, least favorite, I chose Chip, just because I thought he was a nice guy who didn't deserve death. Uh, here's my little summary. I wrote, The Power of a Rewatch. After my initial viewing, I wasn't a fan of this at all. I watched some YouTube reviews of this and really learned more about its release and its actual intent. Gave me a fresh perspective, and I like this movie more with each watch. I think both lead ladies do a great job. Johnny Simmons is very good as Chip. And I think Kyle Gallner was made to be the emo teen considering his other roles he got around the time this movie released. Very well shot, I think, as well. Not a huge fan of some of the dialogue, and I wish I saw some more of the kills, but the post-gore is good. I feel like it's a bit too long, but it's still entertaining. Uh, I've mentioned this already, but I have to agree with Chris Stuckman. Give this a couple of watches and go into this movie not thinking of this as a Megan Fox's hot movie and think of it more of as a dark comedy with horror elements. And uh, I gave it a 7.5. Yeah, um, we're going to be pretty far off. Um, I thought this movie was okay at best on my rewatch. Like I said, I I don't hate it. Let's just get that out of the way. I don't hate it. Um, but it's not anything I'm rushing to watch for. It was the memory of it was better than the rewatch to me. Um, the unexplained inconsistencies with uh, Jennifer's. Uh, you know, what she's dealing with and what she's coping with as a demon. The um, ending being spoiled at the first really took it out, took me out of it. Um, and then the uh, some of the dialogue was just so fucking up. Like, I actually did. I was I was going to do this to y'all, but I did. not I erased it so I can't even do this. I was going to give you all five quotes and I wanted you to tell me which ones are from this movie and which ones are from Thanksgiving. Because I promise you, there's quotes from this movie that are just as ridiculous. That's believable that it would be from Thanksgiving, but I didn't. So, um, it's, you know, it's just that's how bad some of the dialogue is. Um, for my favorite kill, I too went with Jonas. 
uh, for a couple reasons. Number one, uh, I feel you, dog. You know, if if I'm going through something, my best friend just died. The one thing that can make me feel better about it is, uh, you know, Megan Fox in the woods. <clears throat> Number two, I thought it was a cool optic of getting to see, you know, the the effects of the body and the guts all slung out and the deer eating it. Um, and number, number three, it led to Patrick Starr yelling obscenities. So, uh, Jonas is my favorite kill of this movie. Lee's favorite kill. I, t- I guess I took a cop out and went with the seven people that died in the fire. As far as the rating goes, don't hate it. There's certainly movies that I have, uh, we've reviewed even recently that I dislike uh, more than this one, but I don't love it. It's middle of the road at best. I went with a 4.75. Okay. Wow. All right, uh, I kind of said everything I need to say. I just think it's it it takes a couple of views to get this movie. I want you, you know it kind of it, it either does or doesn't click for you, or or you don't like it. It's not your preference. That's fine. But for me, the more I watch it, the more I like it. I like the intent that the director, the writer, and actresses are trying to do. I think it's a really strong film for flipping tropes, and I think it's a movie that with time will get even more praise than it already does as an original horror film, because there's a lot of ways to do a quote unquote vampire movie. And this was very, very different. Uh, and I appreciated the effort. And again, like Nico mentioned shot really well to me, dialogue can be cringy in places, but I'm willing to forgive it because we're, we're supposed to have fun with some of this stuff. So all that being said, my favorite kill was also Jonas. There's not really another good kill per se. I like the way the Colin kill is shot, but not necessarily the kill itself. Um, and then my least favorite kill is also chip because I think it was tame. And like Nico said, you know, he's kind of a guy you're rooting for a little bit, even though he's an idiot that doesn't believe his girlfriend. Um, I, uh, all in all, I gave this movie a 6.75. I think it's real. I think it's good. Um, some of the dialogue knocks it down and it, it's not super rewatchable, but every time I watch it, I enjoy it. Okay. Um, my favorite kill is actually Colin. And my least favorite kill I wrote down Ahmed. So, um, because yeah, it didn't show anything with his. Um, you know, as far as what I, you know, my closing, just the un- first, I just wanted to say that the unrated cut was a bullshit gimmick. Um, because there's not that much difference. There's only like five minutes of pretty much useless shit thrown in there. The the very opening, the opening kill with Jonas that it showed, you know, it did have a little bit of differences I talked about, but that was it. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I was I was very disappointed with the, the unrated cut there. Um, as far as the movie goes, rough start, but it got me as, as, you know, as it went along. You know, all in all, I think it's a fun movie, good watch, gets way too much hate. And uh, Nico actually rated this the highest of anybody and because uh, I did a 7.25. Okay. So that gives us a composite rating of 6.5625. Higher than DIMDB. Yep. All right. Uh, any final thoughts before we jump into shouting out our blood donors? Yeah, Dustin, the, the, when we were trying to earlier to figure out what I had to look up on Urban Dictionary, Ghetto Blaster. That's what I looked up on uh, on Urban Dictionary. Oh, yeah. Uh, Two, 2004. And I was like, I've never even heard that said at all. But hell, <laughs> I was like 50 years old in 2004. Right, Mike? Yeah, you were. <laughs> Asshole. Happy 70th, happy 70th birthday coming up. Brian, have you ever heard of Akon and Fallout Boy? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jesus. If I had to pick my favorite, my favorite artist of all time is Akon. 
But fuck you, Nico. He did give all that water to really thirsty people, so he should be your favorite anyway. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's shout out our blood donors and brother Mike's going to shout out his pick for next week. Uh, I'm sure Kevin Potoff will love it. <laughs> our, our camp level reoccurring uh, blood donors are Clayton J., Nina, Michelle Mirza, Andrew Ferguson, Carrie Adams, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Seligson, Eric Doolittle. Our camp counselor reoccurring are Hunter Nelson, Karen, Shan Petrasevich, Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez Gunn, and Miss Joe Larson. Go check out uh, her legendary blood donor pick we just did with Return of the Living Dead. Check that one out. Uh, legendary blood donor with film review we still have to do is Missy Hutchison Wall. And a uh, final girl donor is Danny Synapse. I just want to say, appreciate y'all so much. Uh, it really yes. means a lot to us that you yes, help us you out so financially to make this podcast. It uh, means a lot to us. Thank you all very much. Brother Mike, go ahead and tell the audience what our pick is next week. Yeah, we're going back to Ari Asterland with my girl Tony Collette. We're going to be doing Hereditary. And I think out of all the movies I've seen her in, this is the role she absolutely freaking nails as an actor. She is awesome. And that's the reason I picked it. Now, the movie may not be everyone's cup of tea. I get it. But the acting is why I what I took away from strong female lead or female lead. I feel like one, we needed to cover it eventually. It's a very controversial film in many ways. And I happen to be on the camp that likes it. So I'm excited to see what everyone else thinks. All right. I'm lost now. Are right, any more final thoughts guys before we get out of here? <laughs> no. We got to get out of here. It's late. Let's do it. All right. Appreciate everyone who listens. Uh, happy new year. One more time. Uh, super excited for hereditary. Y'all have a good one. Just want to remind everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.